Talk Radio 96.7, and we are talking sports because, as the signpost says up ahead, you are now in the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, only Ronnie O tonight, no Coach Joe. He's off on assignment. Well, we're talking sports. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net, where you can access the legendary Clarkster's billion-dollar bank account there. And uh, you pick out a few billion or something like that. Yeah, just help yourself. Yeah, I mean, he's got so much, he'll never miss it. So, well... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers today, after their 8-10 and 10 season, even though they made the playoffs, they were dominated by the Cowboys. Playoffs? Playoffs, yeah, exactly. Playoffs. And uh, they were in such a bad division that their 8-9 and nine record in the regular season got them into the playoffs. And uh, they were division winners, so they got a home game. The Cowboys didn't really seem to care about that as they pretty much dominated the Bucs. Well... And the Bucks decided they would fire their offensive group. So they, they fired offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich and eight other coaches leaving the staff as well. Leftwich had been there four seasons as the play caller, and it was the first major moves personnel-wise made by Todd Bowles since he became head coach on March 30th. Now, it makes me wonder... Are you getting rid of the right guys? Todd Bowles has been a head coach in six different seasons. Five of those seasons, he had a losing record. He's something like 16 games under 500 in his coaching career. So it seems to me like this is one of those deals where management comes and says, look, it's either you or you make major changes on the staff. And so... It's been said, and I don't know how true it is, that Bruce Arians was really the magic behind the Bucks' offense and that Leftwich really was just there doing what he was told. In addition to Leftwich, the Bucks um, fired specialist coach Chris Borgnol, Kevin Garver, the offensive quality control coach or receivers coach, quality control coach Jeff Castle, and defensive line coach Lori Locust, running backs coach Todd McNair, Quarterbacks coach Clyde Christensen, who had come back to the Bucks, he was actually there when Tony Dungy was there, as I recall. And uh, offensive assistant Rick Christoffel, and then linebackers coach Bob Sanders decided to retire. So there you have it on the Bucks. Now it makes you wonder what's happened with Leftwich. You know, he you got to strike while the iron is hot, and he didn't do that because it wasn't long ago. He was one of the guys that the NFL was saying, hey, you know, just, just last year, he's one of the hottest head coaching candidates in the NFL, being interviewed by the Jaguars twice, the Bears, the Saints, and his ability to relate to players. He spent 10 seasons in the NFL as a starting quarterback and a backup. Well, that didn't work. And his meteoric rise in coaching began in 2016 and guess who the head coach was with the Arizona Cardinals in? None other than Bruce Arians. So 
Leftwich was named interim offensive coordinator, then joined the Bucks in 2019. No more Byron Leftwich. So that makes you wonder what's going on. Well, this weekend, a lot of pro football coming up this weekend. No more Bucks. Um, now, the Florida Gators are going to be on WNN right down the dial, 107.1. The Saturday, the Gators will travel to Starkville, Mississippi, where they'll take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs with an 8.30 tip-off, 8 o'clock pregame on WNN, 12.30 a.m., 107.1 FM. On Wednesday, the Gators will host in Gainesville the South Carolina Gamecocks, 7 p.m. tip-off, 6.30 pregame. So, again, you can hear that on WONN 107.1. So, there you go. A lot of good stuff coming up here. And as we said, NFL gets hot and heavy this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, with playoff games. You know, the, the Jaguars overcame a 27 to nothing hole to beat the San Diego Chargers 31-30. to And that was a very exciting game if you had a chance to watch that. And then this weekend in the division round on Saturday in the NFC, the Giants are 7.5-point underdogs to the Eagles as they travel to Philadelphia. On Sunday, the Cowboys are four-point underdogs to the 49ers, and they'll be traveling out to the left coast to take on the San Francisco 49ers. And Saturday in the AFC, the Jaguars, eight-and-a-half-point underdogs, they'll travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Sunday in the AFC, the Bengals are five-and-a-half-point underdogs as they travel to take on the Buffalo Bills. Well, we're going to go ahead. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Lenny Giamatteo on with us, a sports psychologist. So you'll want to call in and talk to Lenny. You're listening to Ronnie O in the Ozone, Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Ed Jalmendinger, driver of the Richard Petty Motorsports, number 43 Ford. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O, Coach Joe, in the Ozone. And the Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. Ronnie O is in the house by himself. Coach Joe is on assignment. Take it over, Ronnie. All right. Ronnie O here by himself tonight. And with us on the phone, Dr. Lenny Giamatteo, professor of sports psychology at Warner University in Lake Wales. And he's written a book, The Winning Edge in Sports and Life. Lenny, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O. Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you having me. It's great to hear you. Where can people get your book? Uh, the book is available on Amazon. They can get it there, and they'll get it in a few days. And Kindle, they can get an electronic copy. It's, it's, it's helping lots of people. Well, you know, <clears throat> obviously sports, this is a sports call-in show, but the things that you talk about there seem like they are easily applicable not only to sports but in the business world. You quoted Vince Lombardi. He's one of my favorite motivators oh, of all yeah. time. And one of the things he said or it was attributed to him says, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And uh, talk a little bit about the, the positive motivation that someone can do for themselves, whether it be in sports or in business. Yes, well, it's, it's, it's key because we're in a society, Ronnie O, where uh, most people are negative. And it's going to be our choice to, to train ourselves to respond to situations versus reacting to situations. So 
you got to believe in yourself. You got to have confidence in yourself. It will come from family or it won't come from family. So, but everybody has that key and that that seed inside them to be successful in life, and they just have to learn to speak it and say it and confess it and stay positive because you know you have an inner critic and you have an uh, an inner cheerleader. And we have to train that cheerleader. I mean, you should see the students at Warner. Oh, by the way, I want to say hi to my students, too. They are fantastic, and they listen in class. And when I start talking about these things, Ronnie, it was just amazing. You see their faces. It's like they're sitting back against their seats. They've never heard this. So um, my class is the favorite class on campus uh, (laughs) because I'm teaching principles for success. So I usually put up some of my uh, successes I've had in my life. I mean, I started very modest as a, uh, when I grew up in Connecticut in an Italian family. But, uh, you know, I put up some of my successes. They look at me. I say, yeah, you could do it. You could do it too. You know, I, you know, I, I drive a Lexus, number one car. And uh, so we talk about success in life, financial, marriage, relational. And I say, you know, I've got a lot. I've got non-athletes in my class. And it, these principles in my book are so essential for athletes as well as uh, the uh, the non-athletes that sit in my classroom. It's amazing uh, to see the growth over the semester and the notes I get from my students telling me. Uh, what, I mean, of course, I've worked with teams along the years, too. So um, I'm hoping I'm answering that question for you. You did. And, you know, one of the things, uh, Warner University is a Christian-based university. And, um, you know, I've, I've often heard it said to sports figures, well, you can't be a Christian and be a competitor and we had Jason Odom, who was an All-American at the University of Florida, played at Bartow High School, played for the Bucks okay. in the NFL, and strong Christian man. And uh, his son, Jonathan Odom, plays for the Gators right now. And I asked Jason the question. I said, how do you answer people that say you can't be a Christian and also be a competitor? He says, I just tell them, said, you know what? Clearly, you never lined up in front of me. Exactly. <laughs> I love it, Ronnie. That's great. Uh, Fantastic. You know, a couple. Some of my heroes have been guys like Jason, Roger Staubach. We had him on the show one time. Kurt Warner, Tim Tebow, Danny Werfel, and Danny said something really that hit me when when I had him on. And he had written a book, and I hadn't read the book at the time. But I said, you know, Danny, it seemed like you performed best in the most pressure-packed situations. And I attribute that to the fact that your strong Christianity, you demoted football from the number one thing in your life. And since you didn't take it as seriously as maybe some of the other guys, it allowed you to perform better under pressure. And he stopped for a second and he said, have you read my book? And I said, no. He said, that's in the book. Now, talk a little bit about that and um, about how – Athletes maybe find ways to lessen the pressure. Yeah, so you you really need to get out there and and, and not think about it. You know, I, my son's a professional golfer at the moment, and uh, you know, how I, I say to him before he gets out there is, "Go play golf. Don't think about it. Just you you've trained yourself, you've trained yourself, you've trusted it, and now you have to execute it. You don't think about it. You think start thinking about it, you make mistakes. So." Uh, the Christian aspect, and, and my book is the only one out there, really, that uh, emphasizes research-based, motivational quotes, and scripture-based. It's scripturally based. And 
the the prayer concept is is gigantic. Uh, you know, we you know how many times you go by the uh, Ben Hill Griffin, you see someone t-bowing out there, yeah, and taking pictures of those three preacher sons. Those three guys were preacher sons, <laughs> and the three gentlemen out there, and and so you know then we en- enter the prayer element to. Uh, to the aspect of success and, and athleticism and not thinking about it. You know, faith is the antidote that eliminates worry. Okay. It, it forces you, uh, it, it frees you from your head and thinking when you, when you pray about things. I mean, my students have been praying about me coming on this all week. Okay. My, my family's praying about it. So I, I come without worry. There's people out there that need to hear this. So I know that. So I'm not thinking about it. I'm I'm just here in in God's plan at this moment. You know, it builds confidence in faith because I'm not thinking about it. So I can be successful. They were praying endeavor. for you because they knew you're going to be on with an idiot like Ronnie Ocean tonight. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. No, they, you know, I've, I've got some great students, and you know, it's, my point is, it's it's prayer is the key for success. You know, and then at the end, you give God the glory. And how could you lose with that? And win, lose, or draw. Win, lose, or draw. I mean, I've seen my son when his body language at playing, that's not so good, but he's developed it right now that I can't tell if he's winning or losing unless I look at the golf score. And that's that's development right there. You know, I'm blessed. So, I have a daughter. I have a son and a daughter. Both have been successful in business. My daughter is a judge in Tallahassee. And uh, nice. I can remember when she used to um, – she'd – We'd, I'd be taking her home from school, and she'd say, Dad, I can't do it. That teacher doesn't like me. And I'd pull down the visor, which had a mirror in it, and I said, you want somebody to blame? There they are. And, uh, exactly. Oh, she used to get so mad at that. But uh, I see some of those applications in your book. Talk a little bit about you know, taking, not the blame, but um, accountability. Accountability is huge. Uh in, in several of my successes with uh, national champions with a local Division II college here in Lakeland and other universities, I've, I've found that when I work with them, they can't be on their own. I sign them, uh, I call them winning edge partners, the name of my book, with a winning edge partner. And you're accountable to listen to your, your self-talk, positive or negative. You're accountable to set goals. You're accountable to look at motivation in your life. You're accountable. All the, all the components of my book are there. They have to be accountable. That's the only way to do it. And they have to practice what they're taught. There's an implementation phase for the skills that they're taught in mental game. Nobody does, 95% of the people do not have never been trained in mental game uh, problem solving. So, but they need accountability. And in my, my, component is the prayer part. We're, we're prayer partners too. We pray for each other. And I've, you know, I've had another local baseball team that I've helped win a national title too with accountability partners. It's, it's just so key. And I, I renamed it to the winning edge partner. The coaches can rename them. The coaches must be in the sessions. If I speak to them, if the coaches aren't coming, I'm not coming. The coaches have to have buy-in. So uh, I think it's very essential for them to have, somebody they could talk to, somebody they could pray with, and that should bring success because they're going to be uh, – it, I've got proven success with athletes and 
teams by having accountability partners. You know, one of my favorite stories um, back in the day. Oh, by the way, we are speaking to Dr. Lenny Giamatteo, professor of sports psychology at Warner University. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Lenny, one of my favorite stories of all time is back in the day, um, this, this guy was one of the most revered guys of his time, Mark Twain. And he was a pretty private guy from what I understand. Well, this wealthy guy begged him and begged him to sit down with his son and give him some pointers on how to be successful in life. And his son had graduated from college, and they were on the East Coast, and he was out on the West Coast. They took like a three, three-day three train ride. They get there, and they go in, and the father says, Mr. Twain, Mr. Twain, he said, tell my son the secret to success in life. And he looked him right in the eye and said, self-discipline, and got up and walked out. Yeah, definitely. So... The, 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 the keys in the book are to develop self-discipline in, in one's life. I also do a personality assessment so you could see about yourself. Are you pessimistic, optimistic? And, you know, I have being married, this helps with marriage. And, you know, my wife, when I married her, she was more in the pessimistic range and always saying negative things. Well, she's turned it around by uh, personal development. And, but she had to realize her personality first and how God made her. And he, all the personalities are great, but some are, are more optimistic and some are more pessimistic. So the athlete needs to know this for success in their life. And also the coaches need to know it. Now, some coaches don't listen when I tell them about it, but <laughs> it takes effort. It does take effort. I have some that want to know their athletes' personalities so they can set the right coach with them to get the maximum out of their performance. So that's a gigantic one, is understanding yourself. And it's all scripturally based, uh, Tim LaHaye, why you act the way you do. And it's, it's, it's essential for success. I mean, I've never seen students pay so much attention in class when I teach this stuff, when I teach my books. That's fascinating. That is really, really fascinating. I mean, let me tell you this, Ronnie, you'll listen to this one. Last year, I had two students that weren't even enrolled in my classroom. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a limit, you know, and they said, oh, Dr. G, I, I need to be in your – just come on. And this, he, did, he even did assignments. Oh, my you know, gosh. The, the, that the is dean, awesome. The dean said to me, he goes, he goes well, we got to start worrying about – you know, they just worry about attendance or uh, enrollment sometimes. And I'm like – I don't have any problems. I got students enrolled in that, that come to class and not even enrolled. Oh, man. Lenny, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Oh, I'm sorry. Once, that's I'm okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, once again, tell people the name of your book and where they can get it. Okay. Uh, it's The Winning Edge, Mastering the Mental Game in Sports and Life, and it is available on Amazon, and it is available on Kindle if you want to get an electronic copy. Sometimes young people want that. Awesome. That's where they can get it. Awesome. Lenny, thank you so much. What a fascinating interview. Really appreciate you taking time to be with us. I, you're welcome, and I, my pleasure, and, and we'll look forward to talking to you again. All right. Lenny Giamatteo, professor of sports psychology at Warner University over in Lake Wales. Fascinating. You're listening to Ronnie O on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF in the Ozone.
This is the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7. Talking sports with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Earlier, Ronnie O caught up with Roy Fuco of the Lakeland Ledger, and that's how this interview sounded. With us, Roy Fuco of the Lakeland Ledger. Roy, how long have you been covering Bill Castle and the Lakeland Dreadnoughts? Well, full-time, most of the past 20 years, you know, I covered um, uh, you know, a couple of Lake Wales-Lakeland games when I was uh, at the news chief before that. But, you know, full-time, most of the last 20 years. Roy, Bill Castle is a quiet, unassuming guy away from the football field. But on the field, he's a fierce competitor. How would you analyze his coaching style? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he, you look at him at practice and and, uh, and on the game, he, he's very, you know, he can get animated and into it, um, very cerebral. Um, you talk to the players and, you know, they talk about how much knowledge he has of the game and how much they've learned from him. Um, and so that's gone, away, that's gone a long way to, the, you know, to what they've done over the years. You bring up a great point. He's had so many accomplishments what do you see as his greatest accomplishment? Is it the 473 wins, eight state championships, national championships? What do you see as his shining, the uh, shining jewel in his crown? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, maybe it was the fact that he's never had a losing record. Um, you, know, you win state titles and national titles by having you know great talent. Uh, but in those down years, especially in the first 10 years when he was building the program, you know, he was getting the most out of, you know, the talent, you know, that he, ha- that he had. And, you know, uh, no, obviously sometimes, you know, over 47 years, I'm sure there's, there's teams that he probably felt maybe underachieved a bit, but never to the point that they, uh, they had a losing record. You know, he had eight state championships, seven undefeated teams, the only team that won a state championship that lost a game was that first one in 86, and they lost to a great Auburndale team that probably would have won a state championship had they not had to play Emmett Smith in those guys. That team had Terrence Barber, Billy Deeds, and Hisham Ishmael on it. Were you covering them back then? No, no, I was still in college back then. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, you talk to Terrence, and he's still, he's still proud of that that. that uh, that they were the only team that beat um, Lakeland that year. So, yeah, you're right. That Auburndale team was loaded. You know, when I got to the um, news chief in Lakeville Highlander out of college, uh, Billy Deeds was um, an assistant coach at Lake Wales, and he used to talk about you know, those teams and in playing Lakeland that year. Yeah, they had some really good teams over there, and uh, they had a core of guys. All those guys went up to the University of Florida uh, Billy, I think, ended up walking on at Florida, and um, Terrence, of course, starred there, as did Hisham Ishmael. Um, you know, you, you brought up a great point about the consistency of Bill Castle. And when he came to Lakeland, they'd never made the playoffs, which had existed since 1963. And in 1979, with Wayne Peace at quarterback, they made their first state playoffs. Um when I went to Lakeland High School, there was a lot of talent that came from Southwest Junior High, and then there was a lot of talent that came from Lakeland Junior High back way back in the 60s. And it just didn't seem like the coaching staff was able to get 
those guys to come together and win as much as Bill Castle did. Talk a little bit about his organizational skills. Well, he, he has, um, you know, he has, you know, uh, all the time, you know, since I've covered him, you know, support staff with, you know, both with the coaching staff and um, in, you know, you know, the community like Booster Club and, and that sort of thing. Um, so you know, it seemed like everybody always knew, you know, their responsibilities, you know, and, um, you know, because he was a workaholic. I mean, you know, up until maybe the last couple of years, I, mean, well, not, I don't even know if that's true. He's like every time I, I call him, he goes, you know, I say, hey, I'd like to talk to you. When's a good time? And he goes, oh, it's never a good time because he's always, he was always <laughs> doing something. <laughs> but he was always great, you know, to give me the time I needed. <laughs> Yeah, he's always been the same with us here, too, and uh, I'll always be grateful to him for that because, you know, like you say, he's always working. It's just unbelievable, and I don't. I think we would be remiss if we didn't uh, mention his great wife, Shelly, who has been behind him and supported him over the years. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he, he, was, he, was always, he was always quick to credit that, you know, that she was, you know, that she loved football and, and she understands what he needs to, um, you know, to do to, to, to have that program successful and they've always been behind him. So, I mean, he doesn't spend 47 years, you know, with doing what he accomplished without, uh, you know, without that kind of support at home. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um, one of the great accomplishments I thought he had was he was 5-1 and one against St. Thomas Aquinas University in the state title games. I mean, those guys, they bring in former NFL players as assistant coaches. They've got so many resources. A lot of the kids of these former NFL players play there, and yet Bill was 5-1 and one against them in state championship games. Yeah, and, well, early on, like the first one, it was probably before St. Thomas was really starting to uh, get some of those players, um, you know, back in 96. Um, you know, by the time the, those, that three times in the mid-'90s, you, they really start having players. You, know, you talk to them. At, you know, at, at the son of so and so, or um, or you know, they were highly, um, you know, the power five prospects. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it became even more. Um, you know, especially the, maybe the last, you know, the 2006 one was even even a more of an accomplishment. Um, you know, when they lost in 2008, I remember they had James White, who ended up being a huge part of the Patriots. Um, uh, teams, you know, over, the, over his career. Um, you know, so I was kind of thought that was interesting. But, um, you know, that's why when they played them in 2018, by then, St. Thomas had passed Lakeland with state titles. You know, they had that big run where they were always winning every year that they were get, they were definitely was getting everybody in, in the South of Florida area. And, um, and no one expected um, – I hate using that expression, but St. Thomas was a heavy favorite over Lakeland in um, in 2018, and you know people didn't realize how talented that Lakeland team was, especially with Bowman, especially with the defense, and um, it turned into be another one-sided game, which you know a lot of those you know wins were. I mean, even 20, 2006, um, you know, for, for three and a half quarters, I mean, Lakeland was kind of dominating that game. You know, if it wasn't for an onside kick. Uh, you know, that game's over in regulation with, Lake, with Lakeland winning by, you know, two or three touchdowns. You know, one of the things that always 
admired about Bill. He was such an aggressive play caller. Kind of reminded me of Steve Spurrier in that he liked to get his opponents, put them in a hole early, and he, he would start out aggressively. And a lot of coaches like to start out getting a feel for the game. He never seemed to do that. Um, I think he was kind of a little bit more, um, you know, mixed about that. You know, he would, you know, you're right, he, he could be aggressive early. Um, I think part of it was trying to see what might be working in the game. And then you kind of see him, you know, make adjustments, especially like in, in some of the big games I've covered. You know, there was a lot of times where he actually became conservative um, as the game went on because, you know, certain things weren't working, and so he just kind of maybe simplified things and, and just ran, you know, certain, you know, just really start trying to pound the ball at him. But um, you'd be right early a lot of times, I think he was aggressive and trying to see, you know, trying to get you to jump on um, the opponent or trying to see what would work. There was, I remember in, against Osceola in 2006, I mean, that was one of those games. It was a game on ESPN. That's when they had uh, Chris Rainey and Jamar Taylor. And, uh, but they came out throwing. Billy Lowe had a couple of big passes early, and, uh, and that game turned into be like a 56-something uh, route, um, a 50-something-something 50, 50 route. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then that, that year in the, uh, in the state championship game, um, uh, you, know, you know, Billy Lowe and Matt Greer, you know, they still talk about, about that. The first play of the game, um, you know, uh, you know, Castle, um, uh, you know, was thinking about, you know, you know, throwing a, you know, a long pass, you know, to, uh, on that first play of the game. And, uh, just as, uh, Lowe was going on the field, you know, Castle turns to him and he goes, throw it. And, uh, <laughs> and it was 60 yard touchdown pass. I mean, you know, it caught everybody by surprise. Definitely caught St. Thomas by surprise. A beautiful throw. Yeah, and it went to Greer, who was a, a really good high school receiver. But that was the same year they had Paul Wilson, you know, who ended up at Florida. So, um, you know, that 2005 team was probably the best team I've ever covered. No doubt about it. They, they were great. Well, now the big question is, who is going to be his replacement? Um, Rick Darlington is a guy I thought of, former Dreadnought, former assistant there, and uh, Ahmad Black. Um, do you have any names that you would favor as possible replacements? I mean, I, I kind of think it'll come from the staff. Um, you know, it's, it's funny when you have a program like that. A lot of times, it's an outsider, like Castle basically was. Although by the, by the time he took over, he had been there five years. Um, but once the, once the program becomes that good, a lot of times people feel more comfortable if it's like a Lakeland guy or or what have you. And and, and that sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I, you know. Uh, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting um, if one if if one of the younger guys um, isn't maybe quite ready. You know, I don't know which 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 they're thinking. You know, someone like Bill Baldini who has experience as a head coach and as a veteran, he might not be a bad you know candidate to take over the program. You know, in the short term, um, and, and you know before turning it over to one of the younger guys. Um, or, you know, they might be better, you know, it might be good, you know, um, you know, if, if, if there is someone like Ahmad Black or one of the other young coaches on staff that they think is ready to take over, uh, it, it is going to be interesting to see what direction they go. Um, you know, the, you know, if, if the phrase is, uh, you don't want to be the guy who replaces the guy. Oh, yeah, you yeah. 
replaces a guy who replaces a guy, whatever. Exactly. Roy, we really appreciate you coming on. How can people read your columns? Um, yeah, just go to ledger.com slash sports. Uh, I, I try to share them on Facebook. Um, I have a little problem with one of our uh, preps pages, but I, I'll still share them on the Ledger sports group page, too, uh, in, in, in Twitter. So, uh, But, you know, this ledger.com is the easiest way to find them quick. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it and um, look forward to reading your columns in the future. All right, thank you. This is Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe are in the Ozone talking sports tonight. And if you're hungry and thirsty and you think you just might be interested in the sports quiz, you might want to hang around. Hey, y'all, this is Mike Pouncey, former Lakeland Dreadnought and Florida Gator. You listen to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O, Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right. I know right now you're hungry, you're thirsty. Those dialing fingers are waiting. They're itching. All right. We got that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. Here's all you got to do. Where did Tampa Bay Bucks quarterback Tom Brady play his college football? Give us a call if you haven't won in the last six months. The number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Did he play at A, Michigan State, B, Michigan, or C, Northwestern? Give us a call, 682-1430. Where did Tom Brady play his college football? That's as easy as it's ever going to get. You can get that $30 gift certificate. You can go out and eat $30 on us at Miller's Lakeland Ale House. We got somebody hungry and thirsty already. I knew it would be fast. So, there you go. It's going to be easy. This will be an easy meal for somebody. And, uh, man, you, you got it made. So, of course, they're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue, and they have over 40 strategically located television sets, and they will take great care of you, and they've got drinking meal specials every night of the week. Jim, you hungry and thirsty? I am, Ronnie. Man, I you, you just sound like it. <laughs> and I know you know where Tom Brady plays college football. I think it must be Michigan. I think you're exactly right. I think you're exactly right. I knew when, when it was you on the line, I said, man, he's got it. There's no way you can fool the man. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a few old-timers that still remember those those days. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I tell you what, yeah. Well, um, if you'll hang on the line, Eric will get your information. And oh, let me ask you this: the Bucks fired pretty much their offensive staff today. Do you think they did the right thing, or should they have fired Todd Bowles, the head coach? What What do you think? Well, uh, I'm kind of in your camp. Uh, I don't know that Bowles has ever proved anything, so. Uh, I, I think he probably didn't have any choice. It was either pull the, pull the plug on his staff or, or he would be the guy to leave. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not convinced Bowles is, uh, is the guy, uh, you know, I, I, 
I think Arians wanted him to have the job, but I just don't haven't seen anything out of Bowles to believe that he's going to be successful. I agree. They were so fortunate to be in a very weak division and be able to win that division with a losing record. It seemed like nobody wanted to win that division, and then the Cowboys really, really exposed them. Yeah, and I, I think this is probably an indication that they know uh, Brady's not coming back, so uh, they're going to start all over again. And uh, so uh, we'll have to see. You think uh, Brady will play somewhere else, or you think he's going to hang it up? I really think he's going to hang it up. Uh, you know, they were rumoring that he might go to Las Vegas, but I just think that uh, that that he's probably going to going to go ahead and jump to the broadcast booth. I think he'd be very good in the broadcast booth myself, so uh, nothing wrong with that. Well, Jim, thank you for calling. Thank you for listening. If you'll hang on the line, Eric will get your information and put your hand over your wallet because he'll get your wallet too. So you, you got to kind of watch Eric. You know, the guy's a multi-billionaire, and yet you, you got to watch him. He won't share his food with anybody, and you know the guy's a skin. Stop player. it, Ronnie! Just stop it! Stop it! <laughs> uh, good, good show tonight. Enjoyed it, Ronnie. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. Okay. All righty. All right. On this date, back in 1972. Sandy Koufax, Yogi Berra, and Early Wynn were elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Sandy Koufax. Now, you know, when he came up in 1955, there was a major league rule that if you got a bonus of over $100,000 to sign, they had to put you on the major league roster. It's called the bonus baby rule. And he wasn't really ready. He didn't play any minor league baseball. In his first few years, he was 19 years old when he came up. He was 36 and 40 with a 4.10 ERA. And then the Dodgers had a catcher named um, Norm Sherry back then. And he took him aside one time at a spring training game. He said, Sandy, he said, try throwing the ball a little more accurately and not as hard. And it just clicked with Koufax, and he was amazing. Then he was a seven-time All-Star, four-time World Series champion, won three Cy Youngs. And Yogi Berra, who won a Purple Heart at Normandy when he was in the military, now this guy was an 18-time All-Star in 13 World Series, won 10 of those World Series. Man, that, that's pretty amazing, 10 World Series rings. And in early win, he was 302-44 and a 9-time All-Star. So that, that's pretty amazing. On the state in 1974, Notre Dame beat UCLA 71-70 in South Bend to end the Bruins' NCAA record 88-game basketball win streak. 1977, Mr. Cub, Ernie Banks, is elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, he's famous for saying, let's play two today. Real positive guy, 512 home runs. And uh, played with the Cubs his entire career. 14-time All-Star, two-time MVP. In 78, Eddie Matthews, Braves Third baseman was elected. He had 512 home runs, a 12-time All-Star. Well, in 1964, on this date, Joe Weatherly was killed at the Riverside Raceway in a NASCAR race. Um, terrible tragedy out there. But um, also, Earl Weaver passed away. And uh, Earl Weaver passed away on this date in uh, 
let's see, on the same day, Stan Musial passed away on this same day. Both of those guys, baseball, Hall of Famers that we certainly miss. And uh, we'll be back next week, Ronnie O and Coach Joe.